007 And Danger Man is out There is someone super Who we all shout about And that is Welcome to the Plot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. The Plot is a co-promotion between Odessa Steps Magazine and the When It Was Cool Network. Well, we hadn't planned on doing animation again so soon after the Saturday morning show last time, but things change. Early last week, we learned the death of two comics artists, Kevin O'Neill, who drew Martial Law and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Carlos Pacheco, who did a lot of work for Marvel and DC and co-created the independent book Aerosmith with Kurt Busiek passed away and then later in the week we found out about the death of Kevin Conroy the longtime voice of Batman starting in the early 90s with Batman the animated series and the other Bruce Tim DCU cartoons of the late 90s and early 2000s, and then continued to do voices for various other DC animated projects after that, and also the video games, and a bunch of other things. Probably over a couple dozen things when you add them all up in the total. It's amazing that Batman, for most of his media career, has had only a few names associated with him. One, of course, being Adam West, who did the TV show, and then occasional voice work in the 1980s. Olin Sewell, who started doing the Batman cartoons on television in the late 60s and continued on through Super Friends through the mid-1980s. And then, of course, you have all of your various movie Batman of the last few years. But Conroy tops them all in terms of longevity and probably number of appearances. So, to honor Kevin Conroy, we're going to look at a couple, not necessarily the more famous Batman episodes, although some of these may be, but maybe just uh, some that have gone under the radar. I mean, you could easily make a top 20 or 30 list of best Batman the Animated Series episodes, and apart from minor quibbling, nobody would really complain. Even the not-so-wonderful episodes, I'm looking at you, I've got Batman in my basement, and the Underdwellers, are still passable to watch if they come on, well, I would say your TV, but now I guess I would probably say your streaming device if you happen to be watching the cartoon on HBO Max. For people too young to remember, Batman the Animated Series started in September of 1992 and was stripped as a a five-day-a-week cartoon on the Fox Kids Network. 
Like many television shows, the production order of the series did not match up with its air dates. For example, The Cat and the Claw, which was the first episode aired, was actually the 15th made, whereas On Leather Wings was the second, but the first in production order, and the third episode was the was one of the more famous episodes, Hard Advice to Mr. Freeze episode. That was the third episode aired, but the 14th made. So the show started the first week with Catwoman, Man Bat, Mr. Freeze, and Clayface as the first villains we saw in the show. And then the second week, we got the Joker. However, it took until episode 41 in mid-November before we got what people in the 60s would have called one of the big four Batman villains, and that's the Riddler. In the episode with the great title, If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? While the Batman animated series did many things great to help revolutionize the character in the 1990s, one of the things that they did best was to update and modernize some of the villains without taking away their essence. This Riddler is a computer programmer and has invented a very popular video game but is swindled out of his profits by the unscrupulous owner of the company including pointing out the fact that he has a work for hire, which is a very sore point in the history of comic books. Like many of Batman's best villains, the Riddler is disgruntled for a reason and turns to his life of crime after being wronged by someone else. Not as tragic as Mr. Freeze or the Mad Hatter versions in the Batman cartoon, but still an aggrieved party nonetheless. The Riddler ambushes the evil corporate president at his nightclub and is going to kidnap him, but luckily Batman has also figured out the riddle when he shows up. Well, well, bat something or other, isn't it? Who invited you? You know what happens to gate crashers? They have to match wits with... The Riddler. The Riddler? What is that, Nigma? Some kind of joke on your name? Nigma? My, my. Can we actually have a brain beneath that pointy cowl of ours? Luckily, this is still from a time when the Riddler's alias was Edward Nigma, although they changed the spelling, and not 
Eddie Nash, who changed his name to Edward Nigma, as we would get in later years. This Riddler is also a computer genius and not a serial killer, thank goodness. The Riddler escapes while Batman and Robin are fighting the goons and takes the corrupt software president to the theme park that was conveniently built outside Gotham that was based on the Legend of the Minotaur game that Nigma created. So Batman and Robin have to go enter the maze, solve the Riddler, and save the boss. But in something that is a departure from Saturday morning cartoons, for the most part, the Riddler actually gets away at the end. Although the evil corporate president is left cowering in fear in his apartment, waiting for Nigma to come back. So was he really safe after all? with all of his money. The show did so many things right, but one of the best things it did was its casting by Andrew Romano. The Riddler there, if you didn't recognize his voice, was John Glover, who would later go on after the cartoon to play Lionel Luthor on the TV show Smallville. He's somebody who's made a career out of playing bad guys and was great for the part. We also heard uh, Lauren Lester there as Robin. He would play Robin for most of the DC cartoons of the era, although, of course, eventually he became Nightwing when they changed Robin. Up next, Batman the Animated Series goes meta. When crime haunts the night, a silent crusader carries the torch of justice. With evil hearts, beware, for out of the darkness comes the Grey Ghost. Beware the Grey Ghost was episode 18 in production date and episode 32 in air date and aired in November of 1992, a few weeks before the Riddler episode we just talked about. We learn that Batman's hero growing up was the Grey Ghost, a crime fighter who you could say bears a slight resemblance to the Shadow and to Zorro, two of the pulp characters often credited with being an inspiration for the Batman character in continuity and in real life. In this episode, there's someone mimicking crimes based on the old Grey Ghost serial and Batman teams up with the actor who played the Grey Ghost, Simon Trent, to find who is behind the series of bombings and bring them to justice. Oh, did we mention that Simon Trent is played by Adam West? This place is amazing. It's just like the Grey Ghost's lair. It's almost an exact replica. Let me show you something else. As a kid, I used to watch you with my father. The Great Ghost was my hero. So it wasn't all for nothing. (laughs) If you were someone who grew up watching the Batman TV show, either when it aired in the late 60s or in the decades of reruns until this time, it's hard not to get a little choked up seeing Adam West playing Batman's hero and helping him catch 
the Mad Bomber, who was voiced by Bruce Tim, one of the creators of the animated series. And with apologies to all of the other great villains who did work on the Batman cartoon, like Mark Hamill as the Joker, and Richard Maul as Two-Face, and Paul Williams as the Penguin, and Roddy McDowell as the Mad Hatter, we're going to do a deep cut for the last episode with an episode that Batman really isn't in all that much, but just might be my favorite episode of the series. We're talking about Showdown, production episode number 78, air date episode 82, which did not air until September 12th, 1995. This is an episode that we knew that was in the can, but was one of the last of the original episodes to air. In fact, for a while, some of us thought it was never actually going to air. This is the Jonah Hex episode. The episode begins with Batman and Robin trying to stop Rachel Ghoul from breaking a man out of a retirement home. They get away, but leave Batman a tape that explains the whole story. So we get a flashback in this episode that takes place in the Old West, where Jonah Hex is trying to track down a no-good varmint named Arcady Duval, who was wanted for what he did to that girl back east. Hex soon stumbles upon a plot led by Arcady Duval and Rachel Ghoul. The government's western expansion is destroying this land. Drastic steps must be taken to preserve the wilderness. And Rachel Ghoul is the one to do it. Who better than I? I'll destroy the railroad and bomb other railroad junctions as I move eastward toward Washington. Once Washington is in flames, I'll force the United States government to declare me master of America. Whatever you say. That's the great David Warner as Rachel Ghoul and the great Malcolm McDowell as Arcady Duvall reunited for, for perhaps... The first time since they made Time After Time in 1979. I was once at a convention with David Warner and got the chance to talk to him about some of his roles in the past. And sadly, he did not remember any stories from voicing Rachel Ghoul, especially this time when he got to work again with Malcolm McDowell. So we don't know whether they got to record together or separately. Speaking of H.C. Wells, that plot seems very familiar to Wells' novel, Master of the World, which was also made into a film starring the great Vincent Price, who, of course, was once a Batman villain. Needless to say, Jonah Hex thwarts their schemes. We jump back to the present, where Batman and Robin have caught up with Raish, and it turns out that it was Arcady Duvall who they were trying to break out of the retirement home. And why? I assume you listened to my account, Detective. Yes. Duval. It can't be. He'd be over a hundred years old. He was sentenced to fifty years of hard labor. Of course, no one expected him to live out that sentence. No one but me. 
the Lazarus bit. When he was a young man, though even its powers cannot restore him now. When his sentence was completed, Arcady simply wandered away. The privations he had suffered had left his mind shattered. I had lost track of him until he turned up in that rest home. You left Duval to his fate a century ago. Why come back for him now? Did you really think, Detective, that in my 600 years of life I would have sired only one offspring? Even before the Phoenix debacle, I had come to realize that Arcady was too unbalanced and cruel to wisely rule my empire. But you couldn't forget about him. What father can ever forget his son? Come now, Detective. I've still a few good years left. We will cross swords another day. But for now, let me take my boy home. Even world-conquering supervillains have a heart. That's why they're great characters. We did not get to hear them in these clips, but Bill McKinney, who was a veteran of Westerns, played Jonah Hex, and Elizabeth Montgomery of Bewitched played a barkeep in what turned out to be her last episode. The teleplay for this episode was written by Joe R. Lansdale, who had already done a couple episodes of the series. But of course, Lansdale was known for being a Western writer who would later go on to write two miniseries of Jonah Hex in the comics, which had their own issues, but that's a story for another day. After his death, DC Comics made available online for free a story that Conroy had written in one of DC's Pride comics about playing Batman. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time.